How can I keep from singing? Many times in my life I've been overcome by that sentiment, even here in this sanctuary. Last year when I was feeling burnt out from the business of a career in singing, I was seriously questioning whether I needed to move on and do something else with my life. I was sitting in a pew right over there one Sunday as Reverend Frank preached on calling. And I found myself moved to tears, as I so often am when Frank preaches. As the sermon came to a close, realizing deeper than ever that I feel called in my soul to sing and share my voice with others. Serendipitously, what do you think the next hymn was? My life flows on in endless song. How can I keep from singing? I didn't know that I was a singer from early on. I began playing the clarinet when I was nine, and I picked up the saxophone when I was 13. I performed in my first musical, Godspell, my junior year of high school, and I was thoroughly bitten by the theater bug. Over the next couple of years, I did a number of plays and musicals at other schools and with community theater companies around Rhode Island. When it was time for the Allstate auditions my senior year, I was tired of not making the jazz band or the orchestra, so I figured, hey, I can carry a tune pretty well, so I signed up to audition for the chorus. I was actually sick that day, but as it turned out, I was still pretty good. I placed 13th in the state, and singing in the chorus at the Rhode Island All-State Festival was one of the most formative musical experiences of my young life. I still intended to go to college as an instrumentalist, however, and hoping to make it as a jazz musician, although Broadway was starting to be ever more enticing. It was not until my audition for Providence College in the music department that I considered switching my focus to singing, when the head of vocal activities suggested I sing a song for them, which I sheepishly did, and after a stunned silence from the faculty panel, she asked me, why aren't you gonna be a voice major? For the first time I started playing an instrument, my teachers told me to practice every day. When I started taking private lessons in high school, my clarinet teacher told me to practice every day. When I would leave one of my instruments in the high school band room, which happened more than a few times, my band director would lay into me, how are you supposed to practice, man, when you don't even take your horn home? I mean, I practiced sometimes. I liked to play, I played for fun, but I never really took practice very seriously. I was always good enough to play what I needed to play in band, and beyond that, my interests were elsewhere playing sports, skateboarding, running around in the woods, video games, being ridiculous with my friends. I did always wonder, though, how all those guys in the band who got all the solos were so incredible. I thought for sure there was something innate in them that just separated them from everyone else and from me. When I got to college, it was more of the same. My voice teacher implored me to practice every day, and week after week, I would do the bare minimum and come back to my lessons only to work on the same things over and over again. I made progress, but it was slow. It was not until my junior year of college that something clicked for me. I had just finished a production of Much Ado About Nothing, in which I was a member of the onstage band, and I couldn't get the music from the show out of my head 
I started spending more and more time in the practice room jamming away on the piano. I figured while I was there, I might as well work on the songs for my voice lessons. To my amazement, I discovered that I actually really enjoyed the work of learning music and getting it into my body and voice. I also found that my singing started to improve rapidly. I was coming into my lessons energized and engaged, building on the work from the week prior and growing exponentially. I guess my teachers all those years were right. Wonder of wonders, practicing regularly does make you better. There's a funny meme that I've seen on Facebook uh, that summarizes a conversation I've had countless times in my life as a professional musician. A person says, how do you perform so well? The musician says, practice. The person says, it must be an innate gift. The musician says, it's practice. The person says, I'll never understand how some people are so gifted. It's a mystery. The musician says, practice. You know they say, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. The Canadian journalist and author Malcolm Gladwell, in his best-selling book, Outliers, discusses what he calls the 10,000-hour rule. Uh, that is, greatness requires an enormous amount of time. And the key to achieving world-class expertise in any skill is, to a large extent, a matter of practicing the correct way for a total of 10,000 hours. Now, it's been 19 years uh, since my junior year of college when I discovered the joy of daily practice, so I thought here I would try to figure out just how close I am to that number. I generally practice at least one hour every day, although more often than not that ends up being an hour and a half to two hours, or sometimes three. Uh, obviously, there are occasional days when I take a rest or just have too many things going on to practice. So for the sake of this exercise, let's just say that my practice time balances out to an hour a day. Well, over 19 years, that means that I have conservatively practiced about 6,935 hours. Adding to that, I've been in roughly 40 operatic productions uh, since I became a soloist and moved out of the chorus in 2007. With each production rehearsing an average of six hours a day, six days a week for three weeks, that totals up to around 4,320 hours of rehearsal, again, conservatively. I've been a regular church soloist since 2006, usually performing anywhere from two to five services per week, not even factoring in Holy Week, Easter, and Christmas. Oof. If we say that I average three services a week over that time, that amounts to 2,028 hours, not counting rehearsal time. So right now, that puts me at about 13,283 hours. Considering that I've sung more concerts than I can count in the last 20 years, rehearsed at great length with friends and colleagues, taught a multitude of voice lessons, and that I learn, play, and sing songs just for fun on a daily basis, I think we can say that I've far exceeded Gladwell's benchmark. Does that mean that I can stop practicing now? Of course not. I know that I have more work to do. The great tenor Luciano Pavarotti told a story in an interview once that went something like this. 
When Luciano was a boy, his father took him to the opera house in his hometown of Modena one morning because his friend, the famous Italian tenor, Beniamino Gigli, was in town to do a performance that night. When they arrived in the lobby of the opera house, they could hear the tenor practicing in his upstairs dressing room. The elder Pavarotti asked the janitor if he could let the tenor know that they were there to see him. When Gigli had finished practicing, he came downstairs to meet, greet his old friend and graciously chat with the young Luciano. The boy mustered up the courage to ask him, Sir, how long did you study to learn to be such a great tenor? Gigli smiled and responded, I just finished yesterday. Pavarotti went on to say that Gigli gave a rousing performance that night of Edgardo in Donizetti's Lucia di Lamemore, and after which he came out in front of the curtain and sang a full encore recital. If that's not technique, I don't know what is. The work of being an artist is an ongoing process. It's impossible to feel that we have arrived at being the absolute best that we can be. We must learn to pay attention to all the things we do when we create the big things and the minutiae. As human beings, we lead by imagination, but the body is slower than the mind. Through daily work, we teach ourselves the consistent habits to produce our ideal vision, and we learn the muscle memory to execute that act of creation again and again by reflex and intuition without over-intellectualizing or micromanaging every detail. Practicing an art is as much about mindfulness and allowing oneself to live in the present moment as it is about the act itself. It's not goal-oriented, although we may have something we are working towards. We must learn to trust the process and ourselves. As Lamperti said, a slow, gradual growth, an evolution, is the only safe way to advance. Every desire, every thought, every act must be an upgrowth from the preceding ones. The coordination and continuity of all things must come from you and you alone. In order to know thyself, you cannot skip steps. Practice grounds me especially during the down periods when I'm not working on a project. Even on the days when I don't want to practice, when I'm tired, when I'm depressed, when it feels like I'm dragging a lead balloon up the stairs to my third floor studio, I still practice. And inevitably, practice makes me feel better. Regardless of whether or not I have a great practice session, the simple act of doing it releases positive endorphins, and I almost always leave the studio feeling happier than when I went in. I also, without fail, still make positive discoveries about myself, my voice, and the music I'm studying when I feel that I have less in the tank to give. And when there are times that my voice just isn't working, and I can't seem to get out of my own way, I also learned that it's important to forgive myself for being human and having limits. On those days, I try to work on other things. My coach in grad school called it armchair work. I sit with my score and my chair, I go through the music, translate, memorize, listen, 
do any number of things that help to inform my interpretation and make me a more holistic artist. If I gave myself a pass that day and decided to do something else instead, because there's always something else to be done, I would have never learned those lessons. The simple act of standing in front of the piano and singing was a step forward, artistically and personally. Years ago, when I, started, when I first started working out at the gym, my next door neighbor and friend was my gym buddy and coach. Every afternoon after work, we would hit the gym together. He showed me what exercises to do and what to, how to work different muscle groups and how best to structure a workout. As someone who always poo-pooed the idea of going to the gym as a pursuit of vanity, I was surprised to find that I really enjoyed it. I liked the challenge of it. It felt good to push my body and to sweat it out. It was also fulfilling to spend a little bit of time every day focusing only on myself. Of course, I'd have days, though, where the exercises felt exceedingly difficult, or I couldn't lift as much weight as I had the week before, and it was easy to get frustrated. One of the things my buddy imparted to me was that even on those days, when the workout doesn't go exactly how we planned, we already did the most important thing by just showing up. The hard work is good work, too. We learn more about ourselves and our strength and our resilience by learning to push through the difficulties, the frustrating times. All we have to do is show up and put in the work day after day. When I was brainstorming ideas for this sermon, one of the things I considered talking about was marathon training. I am, in fact, currently training for my first marathon. I've done three half marathons to date, uh, but this will be my first full one. I discovered my love for running pretty late in my life. When I was younger, I absolutely hated it. I only ever got used to it and eventually came to enjoy it by doing it over and over again. There's nothing like hitting the pavement or even the treadmill and getting into the rhythm of motion and letting my thoughts drift away. Running helps me to feel calm and centered, very much like meditation. Training, though, is another story. The obligatory grind of putting in the miles day after day, week after week, can be grueling. What I've found is that if I focus on the goal of the faraway race, or what my mile time is, or whether or not I lost weight this week, it makes the process much harder. I find it so much more rewarding to run simply for running's sake. If in two months' time I happen to sustain an injury and cannot run my marathon, will all that training, all those miles, have been for naught? Surely not. The daily work I have done will have been what it has been, regardless of the end result. And it will carry lasting benefits for me far beyond those of which I am even aware. If you keep a spiritual practice, such as meditation, prayer, tai chi, or yoga, you know the lesson is the same. You don't learn how to do it in one sitting. It's not about being good at it. Having enlightenment as the goal hinders us more than it helps us. 
The benefits of practice blossom within us from the simple act of doing. That is what the Buddhists call dharma, the way. In the quote included at the top of your order of service, the Buddha says, just as the great oceans have but one taste, the taste of salt, so too there is but one taste fundamental to all true teachings of the way, and this is the taste of freedom. Daily practice is liberating. In Alcoholics Anonymous, people are encouraged to take sobriety one day at a time. It's far too much to think about what the rest of life will be like without drinking. Instead, focus on today. Tomorrow is just another today. The day after that is another today. Over time, you begin to put a bunch of todays together in a row. And the task of living a life out from under the burden of substances doesn't seem as insurmountable as it once did. It will always be work, but it does get easier, one day at a time. We have the ability to approach every other practice we choose to undertake with that same mindset. Whether it be exercise or sports, a musical instrument, gardening, art, writing, skateboarding, or any countless number of other hobbies or pursuits. When we apply ourselves to working at something day after day, we ultimately get better at it. But not only that, we grow as human beings. We accomplish things we didn't know we were capable of. We climb mountains we didn't know we could climb. We knock down the walls that we put up in our own way. The work we do in mastering our chosen hobby actually moves us in the direction of becoming a better version of ourselves. I believe that the people around us will see the discipline that we bring to our practice and be inspired by it. I know when I'm out driving and I see someone running down the road, I want to go out and do the same thing. I know when I hear a great singer perform, I want to run back to my piano and sing that song. I know when I see someone treat another person with love and compassion, I feel inspired to do the same. So, my friends, keep doing those things that bring you hope and courage. And whether we know it or not, our action will help bring other people faith and hope as well. Maybe so. Amen.